2: It is a Monday football get together here on Birds 365. The countdown is on 10 days for the NFL draft, and your two Macs, McDonald and McMullen, will be all over it for the next 10 days for you. Johnny Mac, how was your weekend? Uh, it was good.
3: It was, uh, you know, a little bit more, I don't know if it was more relaxing, just because I know you had 57 ships on WIP and CBS and all that. So you were working hard over I was working hard with draft previews, so different kind of work. But I hope everybody had a happy Easter to those who who uh, um, obviously uh, celebrate that. And we're back. And, you know, you, you always talk about countdowns, Jody. How about this? You know what today is.
4: Uh,
3: Every single NFL team is now permitted to start their off-season workout programs. Of course. And how big a workout
2: are the Eagles going to have, Johnny? Uh,
3: yeah, they're not starting until next week, so they're taking another week. I'm in the Cincinnati Bengals. So.
2: Uh, yeah, <laughs> it is that'd...
3: what it is. But I just want to throw that out there.
2: I right, well, since you did, we'll start right there. Last year, uh, first year for a new head coach, uh, Nick Sirianni had his immediate impressions with his opening press conference, which were less than enthusiastic. Uh, I cut him a wide berth and some slack because it's the first time he's ever been in that big a spotlight, and he kind of appled up and didn't do a great job. But I said, man, we're going to determine whether this guy can coach or not once he actually steps on the sideline rather than steps up to a podium. Uh, but that that was the only thing we knew about Nick Sirianni, because he wasn't a high, uh, visible candidate. Uh, but hey, Jeff Florey rolled the dice on him. Let's give this guy a chance. Not everybody did. <clears throat> and then one of his first maneuvers was with workouts and the like. He stepped up and I guarantee it was an organizational decision, but uh, he had his fingerprints on it. And he said, no mandatory workouts. We have faith that everybody's going to come in and get the work done. We're we're not going to make it mandatory for everybody. And it worked. I think they had a good attendance number. And I don't know that they got any less done than anybody else. But then training camp came. And John McMullen got a chance to go over and watch him work out. And then he was sprung pretty damn quickly. Not not these long three-hour workouts. Get in, get out, get your work done, get the hell off the field. Uh, and it worked to whatever extent people think it did for the head coach. He has been a less is more type guy since the day he took over as the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. Good thing or bad thing?
3: Hmm. Well, here's, here's how I'll frame it, Chitty. I, I you, you called it an organizational decision, uh, and you're correct 100%. I don't think it is a Nick Sirianni decision. I don't think it was last year. Now, last year is a little bit different because we still had uh, pandemic rules and things of that nature. And you're trying to sort of have that balance and get as many veteran players in for the voluntary portion as possible. And it did work and I had a great attendance figure. But I think that that decision's made above Nick Sirianni's pay grade. I don't think he came in and said, well, let's do this and let's do that. I think it's the exact opposite. And it's going to be interesting to me because I've yet to meet the football coach that doesn't want to practice uh, more. You give him this, he wants 10 minutes more, this five minutes more, blah, blah, blah. And Nick's a type A guy. I can tell you that from talking to him behind the scenes. He's doesn't strike me as the type that is... Um, would be going to the front office and saying, Hey, let's scale this back to 60 minutes. Uh I could be wrong. I could be a hundred. He's certainly not going to admit that he certainly hasn't. He certainly says he has the final decision. He's tried that stamp, but look, Jody, one of the ships, and, and this has been a, a big talking point of Jeffrey Lurie when he does talk. Um, I'm, I'm less involved. I'm less involved. Um, he, and he said it again that, the spring meetings I don't know if anybody believes that if they do you know there's a nice bridge in Brooklyn that's on sale um ever since they won the Super Bowl man there's a lot of hubris there's a lot of haughtiness with this organization um and I think you know the guys at the top thought they were more responsible than the former coach for winning the Super Bowl and I think they got it in their mind well let's get the joystick in here uh, to use a video game reference and tell this guy what to do. And that's all fine and good for a guy who was getting his first head coaching interview. Uh, As you stated, wasn't well known uh, certainly to casual fans around the league, uh, but wasn't even a high profile name for other jobs and things of that nature. Didn't have other options. So it's one of those things where you always say, Well, what do you do? There's 32 jobs. Shoot your shot. And, oh, by the way, Nick Sirianni proved under these restrictions that, to me, he was the best rookie head coach. Now, we had Marcus Hayes on last week, and he said that's a pretty low bar, and Marcus is right because it wasn't a great rookie head coaching class as a whole, but Nick was the best, and he made the playoffs, and there's a little bit more leverage when you take a team that's not supposed to make the playoffs and they make the playoffs and you can talk about all the context and it's real and the bad schedule and all that kind of stuff, Jody. Um, If he takes another step forward, a little bit more leverage, then if he goes on a run, he becomes a significant contender, wins a super bowl. This is going to be real interesting because I think you're going to see some pushback. I, I, you know, Doug is a, Doug Peterson is a laid back guy really is gets along with everybody. Nick has this reputation of having a similar type of gets along with everybody. He's got a temper. He's got a bigger temper than than Doug. Not that Doug didn't have a temper as well. All all football coaches have to lay that smack down to use a Dwayne Johnson saying, but um he's he's got a bit, he's he's gonna push back. He's going to push back more than Doug did if he has success. And I think if I'm sitting back, I'm going to have my popcorn ready because I don't think any of these decisions, including kicking off from April 18th to April 25th, it's not a big deal. I I don't think it's a big I'm not trying to say it's a big deal. I'm just trying to say I don't think it's his decision, bottom gotcha. line.
2: All right, so you're saying don't put much of this on – sirianni's plate this decision is being made uh, higher than him which you're probably very right about um so let me ask you this then you say it's not that big a deal i guess you're right but maybe it's just the overall way that they've gone about doing things since the day sirianni was hired i think that is like a demarcation day because you fire a head coach who took you to a super bowl just two years previously and you bring in an inexperienced head coach, that's kind of a shift in the organizational type uh, timeline. Why are the Eagles going softer? Why are they doing less? Why do they think? I kind of attributed to Sirianni, you go, no, 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 Jody, this is Howie Roseman and Jeff Lurie. Okay, fine. Then why did those two guys decide to go down the road? At least with Sirianni, I could wrap my head around a reason for it. And that was, hey, I'm the new guy. I got to win friends and influence people. And if I can get the players on my side and they go, hey, the coach is taking care of us. He's not working us into the ground. Maybe they will work themselves into the ground for him. What? How do Jeff Lurie and Howie Roseman benefit from, well, yeah, less work is more work. Uh, give, me, give me the line of thinking if you can come up with it.
3: Well, I'm going to use this analogy. And when, you know, when Forbes or sports business journal does the most important, they do this list, Jody, most important people in sports. Right. And I read it every year. It, yeah. They do it every year. It's always, you know, people like Roger Goodell or the other various commissioners. And I always shake my head and I go, the real most powerful people in sports are names you don't even know. And those are the television executives sign and.
2: Oh, they uh, usually the make the list. Oh, don't kid yourself. There but
3: there. the top guys. I'm talking yeah. about they don't they don't want names that people don't know. They want Roger Goodell at the top of the list because everybody everybody knows it. Uh and, and they want to push that and the other commissioners as well. Um Oda is a guy most people, most Eagles fans don't even know. Um he's the Eagles chief medical officer this is where all this is spearheaded from this is about a new age way of thinking. And maybe it's right. Maybe it's a hundred percent right that you can sort of legislate injuries and, 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 and keep players on the field in a better fashion. And this is more important than that and recovery time and all this new age way of looking at, at bringing along athletes that we see in every sport and you know, He's he's running the ship when it comes to and he's the Eagles chief medical officer. I should mention that Um, he's he's running the ship when it comes to how they do business when it comes to player preparation and injuries and rehabilitation and things like that. And. You know, it, it could be the Eagles pride themselves on being ahead of the curve And. You know, on the field, you go back to 2017, what was it? It was aggression. It was going forward on fourth down. Uh, They were way ahead of the curve, Um, and it was really successful. Now everybody has taken the lead. Now everybody does it. You know, now the Chargers are at the top of the list, but everybody does it, so it becomes a thing. And you know this from being a baseball guy. When Billy Bean shifted his thinking on how to build a baseball team, trying to win in the margins – well, he had an advantage because he was the only guy doing it. Now, when everybody does it, it just becomes like the old system. Well, it becomes who does it best. Not, not you, the, the advantage is quickly lost. So you always have to be a step ahead into the next thing if you want that advantage. Um, and that's what the Eagles are trying to get when it comes to player health and things of that nature. And that's why they're doing things the way they're doing and by the way, I think they're going to be ahead of the curve. I think they're people are going to follow their lead in the upcoming years for two reasons, for the main reason of a, a player, but from an owner's perspective, they don't care. They just want more money. So if they can give away off-season stuff and say, all right, go do what you want to do, um, but we need that 18th game, for instance, well, they're probably going to get it. Cause it's all about revenue and they're not generating revenue from going to otas on april 18th instead of april 25th so from their perspective they're like uh, who cares
2: all right johnny <laughs> do me a favor and if you know these numbers please quote them but uh, i doubt you have them i sure as hell don't know them. that's why i'm asking you but um and i i would say it would be unfair to look at it for just one year but That's the only way you could look at it in Eagles' situation because they did make as big a change as they did at the head coach position. Last year, games lost, plays lost per injury, and you can't compare your 52nd guy on the roster who plays uh, X amount of uh, special team snaps as compared to an every down uh, lineman or uh, defensive player safety who plays every single snap. Uh, So there's even variation between it. Just off the top of my head, Eagles, middle of the road with injuries last year. They weren't over overabundanced and terribly afflicted by, oh, my God, they had so many players missing. There was nothing that noted for me, wow, the Eagles really had an injury-free year, to everybody else in the National Football League. They had their best players out there. Uh, this is just a, a general observation. I'm sure there are numbers somewhere in a database that says, plays lost per snap per do you think the eagles benefited from this last year if this is their philosophy and you laid it out pretty well for us that less is more don't put yourself at risk you'll get less injuries and have players available if you don't overwork them in the condensed smaller given away in cba amount of work that players can even do did it show results in this past year Well, uh,
3: again, you can manipulate those numbers in a lot of ways. There there is a a, a website, it's called mangameslaws.com, that keeps an eye on these types of things, not only for the NFL, but also the NBA and Major League Baseball and NHL, all major sports. And they, you know, they labeled the Buffalo Bills, the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Eagles the least injured teams in the NFL last year. So that is a huge, huge upgrade from where the Eagles were in the previous seasons, uh, pre Arshtenota, um, who wasn't here for a lot of that period. Um, so I think that's one of the reasons he's kind of a shooting star of the organization. Um, the, the most injured were the Giants and the Ravens, um, by the way. Now, Look, there's a lot of debate about this. I mean, can you legislate injuries? I talk about it all the time. I'm in the camp, of you can't legislate injuries. Guys get hurt working out on their own in the weight room. We saw with Tim Jernigan, all kinds of ways. You know, they might be playing a pickup game of basketball. It happens. Guys get injured in weird ways all the time. Um, So, you know, does it help? I'm sure it helps doing things in a certain way, but still if a guy's going to get hurt, guy's going to get hurt. There's also the, you know, I saw somebody, I, it's called the, you know, basically the callous hand theory. We were talking last week about pitching counts. We'll go to baseball again. because of Clayton Kershaw and having almost having a perfect game. And they took him out in the seventh inning. Cause I don't know. We said 82 pitches. Of,
2: <laughs> 85, but uh, 85.
3: Uh, All right. Thank you. Um, And I went back and I I thought it was fake that I went back and I said, when guys used to go, you know, catfish hunter, 25, 30 complete games, blah, blah, blah. And I went back, what's the record for pitches in a game? Two thirty-five 235 for Nolan Ryan, who, oh, by the way, lasted 27 years. So if you're going to sit there and say, well, he could have lasted 30 years if you put him on pitch counts. All right, good luck with that. So there are, there is some thought process when it comes to football. It's like, you got to get used to getting hit, you know, the calloused hand there, you got to get used to it. You got to get used to your body taking that punishment. So is it better for you or worse for you? I, I don't know. People smarter than me, like Arsten Oda, make these decisions. Uh, Then the finances come into it, Jody. And, you know, because they paid so much money to these players now, it's a little bit different than it was when they didn't have to pay as much. So all of these things factor into it. But short-term, their philosophy worked last year, so it's understandable why they're going back to it. We'll see if it works long-term.
2: Right, and I'll give you the opposite example. Uh, Tom Brady, if given the chance, would take every single snap and every single practice. And he's still going very strong at age 45. So the amount of work has not uh, run Tom Brady off the field. As a matter of fact, he's doing things that no other quarterback has done at whatever age for uh, as long as he has uh, in the history of the game. So uh, there are arguments to be made both sides. Um, I will find out if this is going to be beneficial to the Eagles that they're going easy to start the season. Well, part of the reason why you might be able to get away with that is there hasn't been much rust or turnover. Howie Roseman hasn't brought in a bunch of free agents. They're going to add some players in the draft within the next 10 days, uh, but you could have gotten a couple of workouts in. We'll see if it works if you're telling me it's a medical decision as much as anything else. We'll see if there is high ranking on that uh, uh, player games missed website that you quoted as they were this past season. Hi, he's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We are your Mac and MacBirds 365 guys. We got plenty of draft stuff to talk about. And we got two good guys to do it with today. Uh, A little bit later in the show, Dave Zangaro from NBC Sports Philadelphia. We'll hop aboard and uh, he'll kind of mock it up with us if you get my drift. Um, What direction are the Eagles? Are there any hints out there as to what the Eagles are doing? We'll certainly get into that with Dave Zangaro when he joins us. But coming up next is our buddy Jeff Kerr. He is the uh, number one filling guy off the bench when either Johnny Mack or I cannot be attendance here on Birds 365. We lean on Mr. Kerr from CBSSports.com to hop aboard with us, and he will do just that. Coming up next here on Birds 365.
7: Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little.
8: I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right. Just by talking with Brian in my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this.
7: Call 215-458-2222.
0: field of life first trust bank is there for you because philadelphia dreams deserve a philadelphia
1: bank go for the midnight dares go for the memories go for the view it goes on forever go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink go to bed whenever you want or don't Go for him, go for her, go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
2: John McMullen, Johnny McDonald. Jeff Kerr here with us on Birds 365 as we get to within 10 days of the NFL draft. We're certainly going to pick Jeff Kerr's brain on that. We'll try not to completely take it out because you don't want to overwork anything. The Eagles don't want to overwork their players. We don't want to overwork Jeff Kerr's
6: brains. But we'll try. JK, how was your weekend? Uh pretty good. I wish the Phillies would have played better, but Sixers are up one-nothing, and I'm going to game two tonight. So hopefully it's going to be two-nothing by the end of the day.
3: Yeah, Sixers were pretty impressive, and if Tyrese Maxey plays like that, Jeff, I, you know they're going to be they're going to be fine. They're going to make a significant run. The problem is you, you got to see consistency, and there's always adjustments in between games in the NBA, so it makes it more
2: difficult. But it should yeah, be an I'm, interesting. I'm going to take the under 38 points for Tyrese Maxey tonight. Sorry under? To say. Uh,
6: yeah, I'm
3: I would say. take
6: the under on that too. Yeah. But hey, that's 38 more points than what Ben Simmons has done this year. Very true.
3: That's very true. He's getting ready. He's gearing up. He's gearing up, Jeff.
6: Watch this. I'm going to dunk while Tyrese Maxey actually shows what happens when you improve your game. Something that we hope to see with Jalen Hurts this year.
3: Player development. You know, I talk about it all the time. People think, and a lot of Sixers fans got caught up into that. Either draft a good player or draft a bad player. Player development is real. And it matters how you bring players along. And I think it's even more real in the NFL. So we'll get back to that. Except for this week decision. where the
2: Eagles chose not to have any player development.
3: Well, and that's where oh, we'll start there, Jeff. I don't, I don't know if you heard uh Jody and I talking about, it, but today's the day where every NFL team, obviously the rookie head coaches get a little bit of a head start, but now every single team can start their off season workout program April 18th. Well, the Eagles aren't starting until April 25th. They've they've skipped mandatory minicamp. They're one of two teams along with the Cincinnati Bengals. They frame it as an organizational decision. I'll tell you, I think it's a Howie Roseman, Jeffrey Lurie Oda decision. I've yet to meet the football coach that doesn't want more practice time. Maybe it's coming. Maybe it's a new age. Good or bad, how the Eagles are handling the offseason?
6: You know, I'm kind of indifferent. I got to be honest with you. All right. I, I, I'm one of those guys, I understand where they're coming from, and when you look at the injuries or lack thereof with this team last year, I think this does play a role in that, but I'm one of those practice junkies. I feel you can't get enough practice. If these guys could practice two times a day and get out there and get all the reps in they can, I think they'd take it. I'm, I know the quarterback would do and I'm pretty sure his number one wide receiver and a bunch of other guys on that team would follow his lead if the Eagles would allow them. But yeah, I don't know how that's going to affect this team in 2022 long term. Uh, maybe I just come from the school of Andy Reid, where you practice, practice, practice until you get it right, and that's the reason why his teams win 11, 12 games every year. In addition to the talent he has, I just feel like it's you got this old way school of coaching and this new age school of coaching and. It seems like the Bengals did this last year too, and they ended up going to the Super Bowl. Now, I got to defend the Bengals a little bit here. It's not like they have an indoor practice facility they can go to when it gets cold in April. (laughs) So I can understand why they're doing it. But the Eagles, you have the Novitare complex. I just don't – I don't get why you wouldn't have it this week, why they're going to delay it to next week. It's weird because I'm getting all excited because teams are in offseason minicamp and, you know, you get to hear players talk and – You're not hearing any of this with the Eagles. So it's kind of weird around here.
2: All right, Jeff Kerr, the uh, Eagles are still bringing in guys for pre draft visits. Now that we're down to 10 days, these numbers are certainly diminishing. uh, And they have a couple of slots left to go that they could use for their 30 pre draft visits. They've had a bunch. They've had a bunch of Penn State guys, as a matter of fact, come in, read into that what you do. How much do you put into? judging the pre-draft visits as to what's actually going to happen on the three draft days
6: yeah it seems like with the eagles their pre-draft visits seem to me a little more than other teams because they tend to have this pattern at least under howie roseman the last couple years where if you have a pre-draft visit with the eagles there's a really good chance he's going to draft you um i remember a couple years ago when they had a lot of penn state guys come in uh i think Miles sanders and shreve miller and guys like that they ended up drafting them so I don't know what they're looking at the Penn state talent pool. I, I will say this and just talking to a bunch of high school kids that are at Penn state. Now they said they chose Penn state because they look at their player's success in the NFL, especially in certain positions like wide receiver and running back. And you know, a lot of people point to Saquon Barkley whether his NFL career has been good or not, that he's still, he still was the top five draft pick. know, Miles Sanders, a lot of them point to Chris Godwin, Jahan Dotson's another one. Now it's, Going to be interesting to see where the Eagles lean here. If they're looking at maybe trading up for a wide receiver with some of their draft picks, or you know, using fifteen to get a Jamison Williams or something like that. I, I gotta come up with the with the Eagles' perfect draft plan for the day, and wide receiver has to be on the board somewhere. Now, I'm not saying it's Jameson Williams or bust, but I feel like they have to at least get creative in finding their wide receiver. So I, I thought it was interesting that they are looking at a bunch of wide receivers over the last couple of weeks.
3: Yeah, it's an now annual tradition, Jeff. So I that, I kind of want to take it in this direction because Howie Roseman always says, and he's correct, um, and he calls it talent gathering season, and it goes long past the draft. Forget about the first two weeks of free agency. Eagles are sort of some, somewhat famous for adding people in August with trades and things of that nature. Um, so there's a long way to go. Um, as far as building this team for the 2022 season. But the draft is the biggest landmark. And and you've heard it from covering every team in this league. What does everyone says? Well, you know, free agency, you want to make sure you have a plan at every spot, at least a band-aid for lack of a better term at every spot. So you don't have to feel the necessity to reach on the big day, big days, the draft days. Um, but here we are. We're talking about wide receiver again. The Eagles haven't gotten their Band-Aid. No offense, Zach Pascal. No offense, Devin Allen. But we're talking about wide receiver again. I think when the Eagles started free agency to this point, Jeff, they have more needs than they had when they started free agency. Now, that could change, but do you think that's a fair assessment?
6: I would say they have just as many needs, if not more, like you're saying, McMullen, as they did when they started pre-agency. Now, going into the draft, they're like, okay, you need a wide receiver. You need a cornerback. I don't trust any of these guys outside of Darius Slay and Avante Maddox that they can come in here and play opposite of Darius Slay right now. So, they're just unproven. And, you know, that's not a knock on Zach McPherson, Tay Gallon, all those guys. It's, It's just a fact. So I think they need the safety. Um, I, I like how they got that Anthony Harris. Looks like they'll go that round the draft. But Rodney McLeod's gone. Um, maybe you get Tyrod Matthew. Who knows? There's there seems to be interest there at least. Anyway, I, I mean on both ends of it. So that's something I'm looking at. But but I wouldn't wait till after a draft to sign him. I would get this guy in here and say, Hey, look, we want you. We need you. You know, what's it going to take to get you? You know, kind of. I, I mean, I, I know right now you got a pair of eights on, on the poker table. We'll, we'll try to make, you know, try to up the ante a little bit here. So it's tough. And you still have a knee at linebacker. I think you need more pass rushing depth. I it's think a lot need,
3: of needs, Jeff. I think you
6: need some defensive tackle depth. And it's funny because I think they're closer to the Dallas Cowboys right now than they were last year because Dallas lost a lot of talents. But they can't operate with that. It's go time, it's time to improve the scheme. And the only way to do that right now is the draft. And you're not going to fill all these needs with these 10 no. draft picks. You're not.
2: JK, let me uh, play into the same question John asked about uh, where are they compared to as soon as the season ended. Uh, and we all agree, maybe even more holes than when the year ended. Cornerback being one of them. Uh, Stefan Gilmore signed with the Colts, two-year deal, over $10 million per. Didn't know what his number was going to be. He was a guy who certainly interested me for the Eagles. The Colts paid him at least market value, if not above. So it wasn't like he came cheap. But he's surely better than Zach Mack at the other corner if the Eagles had been able to get him. And there were reports after the fact that said, oh, the Eagles are very much interested. The Eagles were very much in play. He just ended up going to the Colts. Maybe they up their offer. However, he ended up in Indianapolis. Eagles have had some second-itis this offseason, that they were in on guys, that they were close on guys, that if Marcus Williams hadn't gone to the Ravens, the Eagles might have landed him for their number one safety position. What do we make of the fact that they're in the mix for guys? Second place doesn't really get you anywhere. Uh, Why do you think the Eagles have come up short in a couple of key offseason potential free agent acquisitions?
6: I think they're an attractive destination, but they're not what these players are seeking. Uh, I think Marcus Williams liked the idea of playing under Mike McDonald. And the Ravens are, even though they didn't make the playoffs last year and the Eagles did, everybody seems to forget the Ravens were once 8-3 and three leading the AFC before injuries finally caught up to them. So maybe a guy like Marcus Williams was like, okay, I get to play with Marlon Humphrey. I get to play with Marcus Peters. I get to play with guys like that. I get to play in this complex creative defensive scheme. And oh, by the way, I get to play for a passionate fan base in Baltimore. How's it gonna I mean, I'm sure there are agents out there saying, Oh, you don't want to go Philly, you know, the fans. I, I don't think that's true, but I'm sure some of them are trying to point that in their heads. Well, you know, if you play bad, the fans don't like you. Look at Namdi Asama, look at you know, uh, Kiko Alonso. look at this guy, look at that guy, and I'm like Did oh.
2: you really go Namdi on us?
6: We haven't had
2: Namdi talks out there in
6: Maybe in the history of the uh,
2: Birch 365. Hey, McMullen, have you ever brought up Nandi Asima? Sure.
3: Yeah, I bring up Nambi. Lunch We're, in my
6: car. I, I always to. think
3: yeah. of Yeah, lunch, lunch in the car. That's Namdi. It's, it's been a while the... since
2: we went down that I, road. A, a I got, lot of gotta give lot. you the tip of the cap, Kurt. We had not had a Namdi Asimov reference. A lot of my pandemic
3: time. references are Namdi because Namdi would have flourished in the pandemic when he had to eat by himself. <laughs> <and> <laughs> Every time I
6: see a scandal kind of rerun, stuff. on I think of Namdi Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's uh, Terry Washington. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, and Stefan Gilmore, like, I think Eagles have been interested in him for a while now. I think they were interested in him a bit last year when he was having his, you know, will they or won't they, the Patriots pay him, and the Eagles were debating on trading for him. I think he would have been great with Darius Slay. It's, I, I just think maybe the Colts had more to offer than the Eagles. I'm not saying it's...
2: Everybody's got more to offer. Yeah, but what yeah, the hell? Hold on, hold on. Hold on. I got to hop in here. The Eagles were interested in trading for him last year. What did Carolina give up to get him? A six-round pick. Then how interested were the Eagles? If a fifth-round pick would have gotten them here, and oh, by the way, why the hell did he even go to Carolina? They were already done, or pretty much so, at least in my opinion, and that's the way it played out. Not like he lifted them any. The, the Panthers weren't even a playoff team, and they got him for a six. How can you say the Eagles were interested in him and they couldn't come up with yeah. a fifth-round pick? The him. Eagles
3: are becoming famous, guys, for the butt after the pack. But That's my point. We love we love Russell Wilson, but we're not going to take him in the second round. We we would him, you know. I got Odell Beckham Jr. We had him graded as the best player in the draft. DK Metcalf, he's a top fifteen pick, but he had a medical red flag. There's always a but. The Eagles are this in. This is why
6: Eagles got to hire Sean Payton last week. He said, "Well, I would have drafted Tom Brady in the fourth round." Yeah, but yeah. I, I, I was the odd but, man at, at the table there.
3: But yeah, there's so. always a but. And it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, Jeff. That's my concern. This team is coming in second place, second place, second place, too disciplined. Now we're talking about, you know, so the news broke this morning. Not that it's news. Everybody could figure it out. But as I said, April 18th, everybody can come in for voluntary work. Well, Debo Samuel's not coming in for voluntary work. A.J. Brown's not coming in for voluntary work. Terry McLaurin's not coming in for voluntary work. Anybody believe the Eagles are trading for these players? Because I don't. No. I don't. Not I, not with the wide receiver market.
6: You know what's frustrating about this show? You're gonna see articles and you're gonna see tweets. Oh, the Eagles they should go get this guy. I'm like, why are we talking about this? They don't go get these guys until they actually do it. This isn't yeah. two thousand four where it feels like anybody wanted to come to Philadelphia or it's I thought that the Eagles would be more active in this second wave of free agency and the best they got is a guy who won a hundred ten meter hurdles race. Is that what we're? And now
3: he's not retiring. He said he was going to retire from track. That he's not. Not that you know, people think Devin
6: Allen's going to be anything. But I mean, I, I'm almost ready to be fully disappointed in this draft. There's about ten or fifteen players I like in the first round. I'm ready for the Eagles to just draft Kenny Pickett and make my all season living hell.
2: Yeah, that's not happening. Yeah, uh, sorry. I... No, no, gonna, I don't think it's happening. I'm going to bless Kratz's chops all crazy, the way I'm up crazy. until the draft day. The Eagles are not taking a quarterback. They're not trading up. They're not trading down to get a QB. Not happening. Uh, it's going to be Jalen Hurts' year, and then we'll find out if he's good enough. All right, who are these te- these guys in the uh, first round that you want to see the Eagles take? Not named
6: Kenny Pickett? Well, Jameson Williams has been the guy I've probably been pounding the table for. Hopefully, he's there at 15. If he's at least close to there, I think he got least consider training up for him uh, George uh Kravopis from Purdue I really like I you know uh, Trayvon Walker I take it the second I just don't think he's gonna be there at 15 so that, that that's a guy that uh, I kind of moved down. on uh David Bell from Purdue I tweeted about the other day I actually really like him now they don't have to get him in the first round but that's a sneaky pick there uh, Christian Watson from North Dakota State again you'll have to pick him at 15 or 18 like him a lot um there's a couple offensive linemen I like, but I wouldn't draft. They only an offensive lineman in the first round, so I'm not going to go too deep in there. There's there's a couple of the guys from Kentucky that, that are the offensive linemen I think the Eagles could take in the later rounds, maybe as future starters down the line. But uh, overall, those are the guys that really just pop up into my head. I, I mean, they could get Jameson Williams and George Korpovas at 15 and 18. I'm considered a successful draft. Uh, Devin Lloyd, I I really have been pounding the table for. I'd love to see him get him, but. We all know they don't draft linebackers in the first round. Uh, I think Andrew Booth or Trent McDuffie, I think both will work here. Uh, Andrew Booth has probably the best footwork of any of these quarterbacks in this class. Uh, Sauce Garner, I'd love the Eagles to get, but again, I think he got trade up for him. McDuffie plays that, that zone coverage really well. Kyle Hamilton's another guy I really like, but again, I, I think he's a guy, He, I don't think he's going to fall to 15. There, there are players to be had in this draft. The Eagles just got to take advantage of it when the opportunity presents itself.
3: Do you think it'd be better to trade up or trade down uh, with this draft? Because people have talked about the top of this draft as not being as dominant as a typical draft, but that middle range of the first round maybe is a little bit deeper than normal. So maybe this is a year it's good to be at 15 and 18, and maybe this is a year it's good to even drop down a little bit more gather some more lottery tickets and try to hit in other positions. Cause you mentioned that long list of needs, Jeff Kerr, they got to fill a lot of needs. So the more tickets you have, the more opportunities you have to fill those needs.
6: They have a lot of tickets. All right. They got 10 of them. So I don't but know. They're cost
3: effective tickets too, Jeff. They are. Remember this team doesn't want to pay $20 million to a receiver. So you got to get a David Bell. If you can't you either have to take a Jamison Williams or you got to get a David Bell later in the draft. You put your, you've shoehorned yourself into this position where you got to get a receiver, you got to get a corner, you got to get a defensive tackle, you got to get an edge rusher, you got to get an all-ball linebacker later in the draft, not in the first round. Um you got to get a safety. Shall I go? On? Even offensive line. I'll I'll stop there. Even offensive line, Jeff. Jason Kelsey is 34 years old. This is probably going to be his last year. Probably. Lane Johnson's going to be 32 next month. He's already had reconstructive ankle surgery. He had the off the field issues. You got to start think at least thinking about life after Lane Johnson as well. There's they need everything practically. Including quarterback, Jody. They need everything.
6: They need need a running back back to replace Miles Sanders. They need everything. That's why I think people want Brees Hall on this team. Because I think they know Miles Sanders ain't coming back. So you need someone to go with Kenny Gainwell. You need someone to go with Boss Scott. Oh, by the way, who's going to be a free agent again after next year. So you're right, John. They pretty much need everything. I, I don't ever remember an Eagles team. Even when they were terrible that they needed this much and I think this is a team that's good enough to go to a playoffs but right now they they just need more and the GM has not delivered right now. I mean really their their most significant move of the all season outside of Son Redick is given how he rose in the contract extension that's it and it's first- Pascal come on Zach Pascal I've heard him son John McMullen I'd be a lot more excited for it. I know that. I'll, I'll tell you what. I'd be, I'd be filming you every day at training camp if they signed you. You'd be the next T.O. Maybe That's they should find him. He caught maybe
3: T.O. Fan CO Control Football. He caught a touchdown over the weekend. T.O. at forty-nine years old or whatever. What is Fan Control Football? I don't yeah. even know. Uh,
2: I, I didn't. Football. I didn't watch much USFL, so I sure as hell didn't watch any Fan Control Football this weekend. Good for TL, but it didn't. I covered
6: the USFL this weekend, so.
2: <laughs> uh, well, we'll get to that. I I want I want both of you guys to play a uh, draft game with me again. We're ten days out. I want to get a, a specific player and and watch the board and see if the Eagles can get lucky and he comes down to him. Um, Jeff, you mentioned Kyle Hamilton you guy that you'd like to see fall down to the Eagles. John McMullen and I are both on record as saying Kyle Hamilton may be the best football player in the draft. I know that he ran slow at the combine. He ran slow at his pro day. That's why some people are suggesting he could drop. I'm praying that that's the case for the Eagles sake at number 15, because I just love the player and think he's going to, uh, he's got a chance to be the best safety in the league at some point during his career. And you don't usually get those type of guys at number 15. And let's look at the draft board. Denver's not going to take him at nine. If he gets through the first eight, Denver's not going to take him at nine. They're good at safety. Seattle, the, the the and and I know this is an almost an exercise in futility because we don't know who else is off the board. But I'm just uh, uh, she, using the player and seeing the team's needs. Could, would
6: Seattle take them at ten, John or Jeff? Well, here's the thing with Seattle, they need a lot too. They need yeah. a quarterback. They need an edge rusher. They they need a linebacker. <laughs> they need a cornerback. They be, yeah they need a safety. It's they might just take best player available. I mocked Malik Wills to them. I I just said, you know what, we'll just take the quarterback. I, I'm i starting to think Baker Mayfield's going to be a Carolina Panther. I don't know why I think that, but I just feel like that's a match made in heaven right now. They're so desperate for a quarterback. I, I think they're, right now with the Carolina Pampers, It's they want to get a mad Baker Mayfield, and I think a mad Baker Mayfield is anything better than what Sam Darnold ever will give them. Maybe they feel Baker Mayfield's better than any of the quarterbacks taking this draft, and they can go somewhere else at number six, potentially offensive line. So, yeah, I mean, I think Seattle would have their choice of of which quarterback to pick. That's going to be the key for the Eagles in this draft. If nobody trades for Baker Mayfield that needs a quarterback, will Carolina take a quarterback at six and start the domino effect?
2: We'll we'll have to see. Uh, So Seattle's that maybe. Uh, Johnny Mack, you got Washington and Minnesota the next two. No, you know Minnesota well, but it's a new regime there, maybe doing things differently. Where does Kyle Hamilton go, eleven or twelve, or do we get the uh, all the way down thirteen and he's still on the board?
3: Um, I think there's a good chance Kyle goes to Atlanta because they need good football players, um, but uh, they could be in the quarterback mix as well. I don't think he would go. I think his 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 floor is Washington. And, yes, I think Minnesota would take him at 12 as well. So I think you would have to go ahead of those two teams at least to go get Kyle Hamilton. I don't think the Eagles – I don't think he'd be a trade-up candidate for the Eagles. So if the Eagles are going to trade up, I've, I've said it's going to be for an edge rusher. It's going to be for a Thibodeau falling, maybe Jermaine Johnson if they like him. Um or or the kid from Jordan Jordan Davis, the interior player, I think they love him. Um, those would be my trade up candidates. I don't think they'd be looking to trade up for Kyle Hamilton, but oh, I yeah. do think you would have to get ahead of Washington. I think I'm that's the board. A, I'm well, trying think... to set
6: in an interview with Kayvon Thibodeau this week. I really want to hear what he thinks about the Eagles, or if he thinks like he's going to fall because I know Thibodeau already thinks he's the best player in the draft, but yeah. If he falls, I, I think that's foolish, personally. He should not fall out of the top three, but that's just me.
2: Yeah, I, I think he's a very talented player, and I got no problems with him saying I'm the best player in the draft. That's the kind of guy that I want before the draft happens. Uh, who do you have mocked at Atlanta to
6: number eight, JK? I had Garrett Wilson. I said <laughs> Marcus Mario needs someone to throw it to. So Does he? <laughs>
3: <laughs> you can't get the ball to him anyway. Why bother?
6: I just said they, they just need talent. Like you said, yeah. I need football players, so why not take a good football player? But <laughs> it, it, it strikes
3: me, when you don't have a quarterback, why bother taking a receiver? I mean, Are they going to play the
2: 17 games, McMullen? Yeah. They're well, going to go out there 17 times. What do they do, try and win all their games 6-3? Come you, on, you, you can't have that kind of thought process. They I have know. a terrible
6: offensive line, too. They need help yeah.
3: there. They need, they need help all over the place. Look, he's a good player. I said they need good football players. Um, all over the place. Um, but, yeah, I, I you know, I if they're, I'm they're, them – They're going
2: offense. You know they're going offense. If, if they I'm them, offense.
3: if I'm them and I like any of the quarterbacks at all, I'm taking one of the quarterbacks if I'm, I'm the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, if if
6: the Falcons, i am and just be the worst team in football this year. They, yeah. they, they well,
3: there play. you go. You can, oh, we're
6: getting into the tank again, huh? Yeah. The Falcons they, gotta go tank go tank. they already tanked. They, they threw yeah. that, Ryan. They should tank already.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's a good point. I mean, if they're okay with it, they should probably, okay, yeah, trap trap Garrett Wilson for Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, exactly. You know, he's not going to be he's not going to be happy uh, his rookie year, but hopefully that changes quickly.
6: For them. it's, it's funny. The Falcons are we talk about head coaches and then picking jobs. If you're a quarterback. And if you're looking for a second chance in the league, say Baker Mayfield, why the heck would you want to pick the Falcons? You're doomed to never be a quarterback again. So, yeah, I'm, I'm,
3: I'm, I'm, and and I know Jody doesn't agree with me here. I'm, I think Baker Mayfield is better than people give him credit for. I think he's way better than the Marcus Mariotas and Sam Darnolds and Mitchell Trubisky's of the world. I don't think he's a great quarterback, but I think, and that's not what you want. I think he's a, an average NFL starting quarterback, but that's that's better than a lot of people in this league. And it's, so it sort of depends on, I don't want to pay him $30 million. Same thing with Jalen Hurts. Um, But if you can get him in more of a cost-effective manner uh, moving forward, I take him over a lot of these guys. I tell there, you that. Here's an
6: interesting question I presented myself at the beginning of the all season. Who would you have traded for? Before all this happened, the whole Russell Wilson thing, when the commanders pounced on Carson Wentz, I said, Why wouldn't you just trade for Baker Mayfield? You probably wouldn't have to give up that much for the guy.
3: Yeah, Good I point. mean, he, he took, I think that's fair. He took a lot of hits for playing hurt. And he, he, was played, hurt. I, I, and he was
2: hurt. I'll tell you, stand, he was
3: hurt. hurt. I, I'm impressed by that. Other people downgraded him for that. And you know what? I gave him a
6: lot of credit. He didn't, like, scoff the media last year either. He was getting hammered in that Baltimore game after the game, and he just took it. He's like, you know, I, I understand it. I'm not playing well. I, I feel, you know, he put, shouldered all the blame, literally shouldered all the blame on himself. And someone asked him, like, if your shoulders hurt that bad, why are you playing? He said, because I'm a competitor. I love football. And I'm like,
3: Plus, they wanted him out there because they had they thought he was their best option. You yeah, know? if they if they came to the uh, conclusion uh, who was their backup, Case Keenum was Case there. Case
6: Keenum was their backup.
3: Um, if they came to the conclusion Case could help them win games, they would have put him out there. So they and wanted him out screwed.
6: there. He, he couldn't, like even yeah. in the little time he played, it was ba- Baker Mayfield or bust, and you know, Kevin Savansky – tried his best to run that offense the way he wanted to. But if Baker can't throw the ball 10, 15 yards, there was literally no point. It was, they had to run their chub into the ground, which they kind of did.
2: John, I, I don't disagree with you. You said uh, you thought I disagreed with you. No, Baker Mayfield's a competent NFL starting quarterback, but he's on the last year of a deal. I think he's a tough to coach player. I think he's a bit of a uh, live wire and a guy who's uh, not afraid to say stuff that might not help the organization. I just don't know if it's worth it from a uh, do you want to put up with all of the stuff to get Baker Mountain, Baker Mayfield talents into your lineup. That's where I have the, the, the issue isn't about his talent level. I think you're right. I think he's a. A uh, middle of the pack NFL starting quarterback he's not a franchise quarterback but he's not a, a, a bottom of the barrel 32 uh, top quarterback kind of guy but when you add in the off-field stuff and his attitude and I don't know that he's a great leader that's where I I come up short on back and Baker, you don't Mayfield. bother
6: me with the whole Baker Mayfield stuff last year he was an easy target for Odell Beckham to get out of Cleveland well it's Baker Mayfield's fault I'm like hey Odell I, I know you're talented. I know you proved that you're talented. Why didn't you just say, I just don't want to be here anymore? Did you have to make everybody the scapegoat in the Cleveland Browns organization for your failures there? I, you know, Wide and, and, receivers
3: I, are wide receivers. See, it's expected with wide receivers to be sort of the diva-like mentality, which is why I think the Eagles got lucky with Devontae Smith. We'll see how it goes along. It's going to be interesting –
6: he has a big year. There's going yeah. to be
3: contract talks here. Yeah, it's going to be interesting um, with that market. How they handle um, Devontae Smith if he goes where we think he's going? I think all of us think he's going to be a really good player. Um, boy, that's going to cost a big number. And and this team at some point has got to jump in the pool at some position because they are disciplined to a fault now is how I describe it. And the cost of doing business is the cost of doing business. And you either want the AJ Browns, the Terry McLaurins, the Devontae Adams will go back to Tyreek Hill, uh, the step on of the world. You either want those types of players or you don't. And to me, right now, it looks like the Eagles are saying, "Here's how I describe it." You know, and I'll, I'm I'm talking too much baseball today, but I'll, I always go back to uh, the A's because I love the movie. I love Moneyball. So you know, they they came up with this. We have to win in the margins. We we outside the margins. We have to count cards. We have to we have to game the system. We have to come up with something. Talent doesn't have to game the system. The best players, you don't have to worry about that nonsense. If you get the best players, the Eagles are falling into the small market mentality. Is and that they're, and they're not too harsh a criticism? Teams. Exactly. Exactly. And,
8: exactly.
6: and that—and you know what? Adding your baseball, that's what drove, drove me nuts with baseball. You got big market teams spent – Spending like they're the Tampa Bay Rays or the Oakland Athletics. And they don't have to. The Philadelphia Eagles should say, we are one of the eight richest franchises in the National Football League. Let's go out and spend some money. Why are we trying to treat ourselves like we're the New York football giants, one of the worst teams in professional sports right now? Why are we doing this to ourselves? It, it, it feels like some guys, it's they, they don't understand that. I don't know. I think the Eagles are getting in this point where, it doesn't matter. Our fans are going to show up to games, and people are going to watch them. So we'll do what we want. It's not a good way to operate.
3: We right, also got the Lombardi Trophy. I think. Oh, a oh little... yeah, let's
6: put that in our face. You know, the one, the one yeah. time they win the Lombardi. I well, rather... I think there's a little contentment
3: there. They're, they're content. Well, we got one, so we can...
6: I still tell people, as heartbreaking as it was, I will take those 2000 to 2004 runs of Andy Reid every single day of the week, because every week I knew the Philadelphia Eagles had a really good chance of winning a football game. I could not say that over this last five-year stretch.
2: That's fair. And that's what right, JK, You said uh, this weekend responsibility was USFL. I watched exactly... Zero minutes on Saturday. Sorry, Sixers were on. I wasn't about to get away from the Sixers. Oh,
6: I am watching Saturday either. Sunday was Monday.
2: Okay, so Uh, yesterday was your USFL game. I did tune in, watch a little bit. uh, 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there. Give us your first impressions. We've done spring football before. It lasts for a period of time, and then reality hits, and the leagues end up folding. Was it worth watching? Will you go back to watching it next week? What do you think, weekend one of the USFL?
6: I've had low expectations going into this. I don't like the Birmingham bubble. I understand it. I don't like it. I thought offensive line play in this league was absolutely atrocious, which I'm not surprised. Yes. Because NFL offensive line plays atrocious because mm-hmm. I thought Bart Andrews had a creative game plan for the Stars. Quick passes. They had a lot of speed, but they just could not block. So it ruined everything. It, it, it's it, it was the same with uh, the Michigan Panthers. They had a terrible offensive line. That's why Shea Patterson and Paxton Lynch were fumbling. The, they had nine fumbles on Sunday because of their offensive line. It, it was ridiculous. And it was that way the entire weekend. I thought there were some creative play designs. I thought there were there's some nice skill position players. There's really good pass rushers, but that's because the offensive lines stink. I, yeah. I think it's got potential, but mm. overall – there's going to be another one coming in. That's going to be in cahoots with the NFL. I just don't see the USFL sticking around
3: now. Yeah. I, you hit the nail on the head. I've been saying this for years about spring football. Um, first of all, number one was Brian Scott's uh, uh, facial hair. Tremendous. Oh, the shit. stars quarterback. Uh, so kudos to Brian. There were some cool innovations from, because they can try some things that the NFL can hopefully pick up on three years, four years down the line. Um, As far as presenting the product, I thought that's cool. It's always cool with the spring because you can, they can listen into the coaches so you can learn a lot of stuff. That part's cool. But Jeff, man, when you can't block people, you can't play offense. They can't find enough offensive linemen to be in the NFL. And there's just none in these spring leagues, the AAF, the USFL, the XFL 1.0, the XFL 2.0 on and on and on, they can't find people to block. And if you can't block anyone, you can't play offense. And the games are just incredibly ugly. That's, that's where it comes down. to.
6: Yeah. And this is why I think there should be a Meyer league where you send the practice squad guys down there. You send Guys who are eligible who were inactive enough on the active roster that you could send down and then they play and they actually am real and quick. You got, it, it,
2: going going full circle. You got no chance, Jeff Kerr. No chance. Because of the CBA. Less practice. The Eagles even less practice than everybody else. If you're under contract to an NFL team, they're not gonna make you work for a living. They're not gonna give you uh uh long at practice hours to get better. You've already accomplished that by negotiating less time on the field with the team, not making as much money as you may want to, but yeah, you don't really have to work at it. Your sentiment is great. The possibility of it is zero. The NFL is doing. And there's something that. else,
3: Jody as well. And I remember, and it was Damo. It was Damo and me. We were talking to Jeff Stoutland. When Jordan Mailata was not Jordan Mailata, He was still the you know guy who, was just this long-term developmental project, and I think it was the AAF at the time was talking about being a developmental league because Charlie saw was busy picking people's pockets, but um, the NFL had no interest. But we asked Jeff Stoutman, would it be good to get you know Jordan some reps? And he's like, I don't want, I don't want anybody else touching Jordan. I don't want, I don't want other coaches messing up when I started. So you have that mentality as well before you even get to Jody's sentiment. Like, these guys don't want, you know, and sometimes, but, you know, obviously Stoughton's really good at his job. The last thing he wants is some slap you-know-what offensive line coach screwing up everything he did with Jordan Mailata. So it's never going to happen in this league. It's never going to happen. And we're destined for failed spring football. That's my opinion.
6: Yeah, well, I, I want to ask you guys this as someone who loves the NFL, who I don't think anything's going to happen to it. As as a guy who grew up loving NASCAR, I still love NASCAR, but I think the same. What's going to kill the go the Golden Goose in the NFL here? Will anything ever kill the Golden Goose?
3: TB. If TB dies, they die. I always I We just talked about. It. We, why was I bringing that up, Jody? The most powerful people in sports are the TV executives, signed in the checks. If that money dries out for whatever reason, football changes overnight. We we talk about how big that industry is, and it's up to whatever eighteen billion dollars now. More than half of it, about two thirds of it, comes for directly from TV revenues. So right off the stop, if you have, if you stop that, football is no longer football. It can continue in a different way, less popular, less important. Now I don't see this stopping anytime soon. And the same thing with the NBA, same thing with Major League Baseball. TV revenue, TV rights fees, drive the entire industry
6: big tens about to get a billion dollar tv deal it's not even the best conference in college football yeah. but it's the most marketable
2: yeah and oh by the way just to, to close it up full circle jeff kirk could have come on here and said oh my god an abomination what how terrible the play was offensive line it couldn't protect anybody i could have come out and said, oh my god the the, the innovations that they use, it was great ohio ready for some quick mental health facts let's go Uh, J Mac could have uh, formed an opinion somewhere in the- All irrelevant. The only thing that matters are the TV ratings. That's it. That's what the USFL is standing on right now. They got a couple of TV networks to invest and put the games on on the weekends in a pretty good slot. If they get the ratings, the league survives. If the ratings stink, they're done. That's
6: why the XFL is going to be
2: really quickly decided as to because the the bubble you mentioned it. Oh, great crowds for UFL games. One stadium.
5: <laughs> one stadium.
2: Game after game after game after game. So gate receipts mean nothing. It's all yeah. about the I television still remember the We'll XFL, have to wait to
6: see how they did this weekend. I still remember the XFL in 2001. It was – I think everybody was shocked that first week when they had those
3: – They had massive four, ratings. Different yeah, time, and, though. Different and time.
6: It, it's funny now because when I talked to some friends about who weren't into the XFL in 2001, they're like 1.3 – that that's not that bad. I'm like, today it's not that bad. In 2001, that was pathetic.
3: Yeah, the first week was unbelievable, uh, ratings wise, and then it quickly fell off from there. It's
6: a shame the XFL's best game. I don't know if you saw a 30 for 30, John. I re- I actually remember this when the XFL's best game, the power went off, the the double overtime shootout with Tommy. Yeah. Man- I remember the power going off. I'm Tommy like Tommy Maddox. Yeah, I said to my dad, "What happened? What just happened to the game?"
2: Well, the same Literally thing happened this Saturday week. wasn't that bad, but here comes the USFL. Oh, except for the weather. We yeah. got
3: to take it. We got we
6: supposed
2: to. got to everything post- And by post- the post- way, post-
6: this weekend,
3: the Philadelphia Stars, the legendary Philadelphia Stars of Jim Mora and Chuck Fusina and Calvin Bryant and William Fuller. Come on. They are ruining the Philadelphia Stars. I'm sorry.
6: Sam, Sam, Sam Mills, baby. That's all. Sam
3: I Mills. Oh, how do I forget Sam Mills? Yeah,
6: I always forget he was a star. Yes. And yes. then he was a pretty good player for the Eagles yes. as well in the mid-90s.
2: Philadelphia stars no longer. All right, J.K., always a pleasure, buddy. We'll uh, probably get you up again next week right before the draft. Thanks for hopping on with us today, big guy.
6: Yep, sounds good. Uh, have a good day, guys.
2: Jeff Thanks, CBS Sports.com, and uh, filling guy here on Birds 365. All right, Johnny Mac, Jody Mac, coming back. i got a couple more Eagle things I want to run by, John, before. Dave Zingaro, NBC Sports Philadelphia, is going to join us in about 15 minutes. So keep it here on Birds.
7: Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little.
8: I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right. Just by talking with Brian in my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say,
7: we got this. Call 215-458-2222.
0: field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia Bank.
1: Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
2: You got your Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365, McMullen and McDonald's. Well, we got another uh, hour left to play with you guys today. Uh, Jay mac uh, wanted to run this one by uh, 10 days away from the NFL draft. And while if you're going purely by track record, Howie Roseman is an up-and-down draft guy. He's had some major hits. He's had some major misses. But one thing I've always appreciated since Howie took over as a general manager is I thought he had a pretty good grasp on playing the draft day trade game. That when he moves up and when he moves back, I think he does so at the time. And then we see how it plays out. you got to pick the right player. You can make the the right draft day analysis move. But then if you pick the wrong guy, it goes right by the board. Uh, But when he was making the moves, I always liked it. And this year, the trade with the Saints on paper looks like a major win. Uh, for the Eagles, will it play out that way? Only time will tell, but Howie's pretty good at it. And I think he really enjoys doing it. He almost never just sits pat. And we judge this ahead of time by whichever draft value chart you think is, uh, the most up to date and the most on point Jimmy Johnson's one has been sitting around for decades. And I still think it does a pretty good job. Uh, but others have come up with different ways to evaluate trades at a time um will howie roseman this year if he trades up trades down include any players in deals because it's really easy you plug the numbers into a uh, a chart and you see if you come out on ahead or if it's pretty close or if one thing dominates the other but once you put a player in there it kind of throws everything out of whack is it a guy who can step in and help you and Uh, make you a better team right away? What kind of value do you put on a player if they're included in a draft day trade? Do you think we'll see any of that in the NFL this year? Will the Eagles specifically look to go down that road?
3: Well, I think they want to trade Jalen Rager. No question about it. I certainly know Jalen Rager wants out of here. Um, You know, I don't know how much value they can generate. Uh, There's been some wild um stories going around about what Howie Roseman's asking for, which seem ludicrous on the surface. Um
2: really what are you hearing? I've not heard anything. Well
3: second <laughs> round which I think is which I mentioned on the show before, which I laugh. I laugh out loud when I say it. I mean it's fine, I guess you can ask for it. I can't imagine there's gonna be you no know, I couldn't imagine I always say it only takes one, Jody. Um, and maybe somebody remembers him coming out and saying, well, pulled up, you just screwed him up, and he's got talent. And But I find it very hard to believe they're going to generate anything other than a late day three pick. And then Andre Dillard's probably more interesting because that's a starting left tackle. and We just talked about with Jeff Kerr in a league that struggles to find offensive linemen. Um, you know, he should be a starting left tackle somewhere. What, what does that generate and how he can be more discerning on that? Like we've said, you know, fourth round pick. Would you give up Andre Dillard for a fourth round pick? You know, you have to kind of wait. You know, he has no future here, right? Uh, they have to pick up his 50-year option by May 2nd. So right after the, the draft, if they pick it up, all of a sudden you have that big money, but you you carry that uh, other year to potentially trade them and maybe increase the value that way. So it's sort of a game of chicken. How much do you want for Andre Dillard? Um, and that could come down to, you know, GM um, hubris again, a word I'll use again, or, or ego and the fact that you don't want to admit, okay, it didn't work out the way we thought. And that's the interesting thing about those jobs. How he found his franchise left tackle, he just found it in the unconventional way. Uh, And that's Jordan Mailata, but Andre Dillard always has that first-round pick on him. And that's all that people look at. First-round pick, first-round pick. Oh, You failed on this first-round pick. You failed on this first-round pick. Not everybody, but you understand. Um, You know, Most people just look at first-round picks and judge GMs on first-round picks. And if you get the left tackle, you got the left tackle. And the Eagles got the left tackle. So he deserves credit for that part. But you
2: want to get as much out of Andre Dillard as possible. Let me ask you about a particular player, because I love the point you try to make about general managers just continuing to cling to where a player was drafted and compare that to production on the field and how long do you stay with it before you go, all right, this one's never going to work. I was thinking of a guy who on the Eagles stepped in, didn't immediately meet draft expectations, but over time they did and eventually became a guy that you could go back and look and go, all right, he was worth the draft capital that we used on him. And the only guy that even hits home for me, and I'm not sure he, he truly hits home, is okay. Nelson Aguilar. First round pick, didn't come in, Stars as a rookie, not a lot of improvement in year two. But then had the year that the Eagles all came together and had the great run and won the Super Bowl. And he made some big plays in some big games, also had some big drops in some big spots, but had a year where he was a contributor to a championship. That's like the only guy I can think of. Is well, you just a-
3: got to go back, Jody, to 2010, because that defines Brandon Graham. I mean, Brandon Graham um, took years to develop into Brandon Graham. Brandon, and remember, Brandon was, I believe, the 13th pick, and 14th, I believe was Earl Thomas, Thomas, and fifteenth was Jason Pierre-Paul, who took off. Those two players took off pretty much immediately, and were turning into superstar level players. And Brandon was getting killed on the regular. On the regular, I remember when Chip Kelly got here, he thought he was getting cut for somebody by the name of Travis Long. If people remember Travis Long, I remember
2: Travis Long. Yeah.
3: Brandon thought he was getting cut. Remember, they went to the 3-4. They brought Billy Davis in. Travis Long was this, and they were talking up Travis Long and who tore his ACL when the wind blew. I hate to, you know, it's a terrible injury, but it happened to him twice. Brandon thought he was out of here, and all of a sudden it clicked, um, and he turned into Brandon Graham, and now there's this revisionist history. Um, his first three or maybe four years were not good,
2: Mediocre, especially, yeah.
3: especially when compared to Earl Thomas and JPP. Um, and people were just always bringing it up. You got a hall of fame. Safety he's going to be in the hall of fame. And it's ironic that Brandon outlasted both of them with their original teams Um and JPP. So he obviously had the problems with the fireworks and that sidelined his career and, Earl is going to the Hall of Fame but he outlasted him um just a great player and it took a long time it took a slow developing great player
2: perfect example thank you for laying it out there for us anybody else or is that it no. we got to go all the way back to 2010 to find the guy who the eagles showed that very stringent patience with, and eventually got paid off. Any other draft picks you would suggest? Well, I don't
3: even them? know if you can say that, because they would have cut him if Travis Long didn't tear his ACL. So yeah, it wasn't yeah, about yeah. patience. It was about, well, we need a body, and then that's the, that's the luxury Jalen Hurts has this year, Jody, in a different fashion. They didn't want Brandon anymore, but they had to keep him because of an injury. And when you're on the field and you're playing well, nobody's going to take you off the field. That's what Jalen Hurts has this year. The Eagles don't want him. The Eagles want to draft a quarterback next year, but he's got those 17 games, and if he plays well enough, they're not taking him off the field.
2: And and by the way, uh, how he took over as general manager which year?
3: 2010, I believe. 2010.
2: Was he the Brandon Graham? Was that his first year? uh,
3: I believe it was his first year, but that's the thing about the Eagles. Uh, That was still, you know, um, Andy Reid was still in control. So, yeah, that was, I'm uh, I'm just looking at that, was his first year, 2010.
2: Okay. Um, he wasn't fully entrenched as Howie Roseman, no. general manager of the Eagles like he is today because Andy Reid was basically the general manager of the Eagles at that time so I don't know that he would have even gone that far to go hey we're not cutting one of my draft picks he was considered more to be one of Andy's draft picks is the point I'm trying to make Um, so I can't think of what Aguilar was the best I could come up with a guy that they showed patience, showed patience, at least got some of a payoff even if He didn't live up to expectations right away. I don't know. There's another one. So my point is, why do we continue to do that? Why do we continue to have faith? If you're actually stating accurate that the asking price for Jalen Rager is a two, and no, you got to realize that the guy had two stinkers of the years and his value has come down from where you took him at number one uh does are the eagles uh, on strong footing to take that kind of a stance worst case scenario we'll no
3: and by the way i don't think it's realistic at all i don't think they're going to sit there and say oh we're not going to move jalen ringer unless we get a second round pick i i don't even necessarily know if i believe the story they asked for a second round pick that's just what i was told and i laughed i literally laughed out loud people say lol i laughed out loud um No, I think they'd be willing to cut ties with Jalen Rager um, for a day three pick, a late day three pick. Maybe get a condition on it if you're lucky. But I do think they know um, things have gone to the point where it's not going to turn around here. The only difference is, like, they'll cut J.J. They'll, they'll release J.J., as they did with Russell Douglas and Sidney Jones after their third seasons. Um, I don't think they'll cut Jalen Rager um, if they can't move him. I think they'll just stash him on the back end of the roster, and that speaks to the first-round pedigree.
2: You know, which I, you know,
3: And that's not only then. That's the entire NFL.
2: First-round pedigree and first-round paycheck. Yeah. Because if you cut him, you end up taking a dead cat pit. Uh, so last thing before we punch up Dave Zingaro from NBC Sports Philly. If we're believing that the Eagles are over asking for Jalen Rager in a deal, what's the price tag on Dillard? Is it more realistic from what you've heard floated? Here's what I think is going to happen with Dillard. He's not going to be traded before the draft. I think there's a better, much better chance he'll be traded during the draft. If there's a team and the Eagles may have to end up showing that uh, patience again, they may have to take a 2023 pick. I think they'd love to get a 2022 pick, get a guy in immediately. But they've also shown the ability to wait with the deal they did with the Saints. I think they might need to do that with Dillard, too, because I think there'll be teams out there that think they're going to be able to draft the tackle The draft board doesn't fall their way. They whiff on it, don't get a guy, and say, hey, we got to at least get somebody to play. So let's go get Andre Dillard and give up a future pick. Uh, You think the Eagles will make a deal for Dillard before the draft, during the draft, and if it's during the draft, will they get a 2022 or 2023 pick?
3: Um, I think it'll happen. um, If it's going to happen, I think it'll be during the draft on, on day three, and it'll be a 2023 pick. Um, probably a fourth rounder, maybe a conditional fourth rounder that can turn into a third rounder. Um, but they should be, at, if you're at the start, you, they should be asking more for Andre Dillard than Jalen Rager. Yeah. You know, and I don't, I, by the way, I'm not, I don't know if that's true. I laugh. That's one sided, and you can guess which side it's coming from. Um, I don't, uh, you know, I find it very hard to believe they're they're gonna ask for a second round pick for Jalen
2: Ray. Mm, we'll see where the picks actually fall on those two guys, two Eagles. We do expect could be elsewhere uh, come eleven days from now. He is John McMahon, I'm Jody McDonald. We appreciate you being part of Birds 365 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Please like, share, and subscribe since you're here today. And oh you want to stick around all day. Got a new show coming up. On the channel today, Uh, we're growing by leaps and bounds here on Jacob Media's YouTube channel. We could use your help if you hit that like button for us. All right. We like to talk to Dave Zangaro from NBC Sports Philadelphia. He's coming up. Going to join us next on Birds 365.
7: Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little.
8: I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right. Just by talking with Brian in my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they
7: say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222.
0: Field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
1: Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
2: John McMahon and Jody McDonald here with you on Birds 365 as we close in on the NFL Draft 10 days away. That means our next guest has been working hard for the last couple of weeks. He's got 10 more days in front of him to try and figure out what the Eagles are going to do. Dave gal from NBC Sports Philadelphia. All right, we marked 10 days to the draft. Let me back it up 10 days. 20 days out from the draft. 10 days ago. Did you have a better or a lesser understanding or guesstimate of what the Eagles are going to do in this upcoming gra- draft, Dave?
9: I mean, it's about the same. You know, it, It's the time of year where Everything you hear, you, you kind of have to think about why you're hearing it. Um, but, you know, it, it was nice even after they traded uh, and they ended up with two picks in this range instead of three. It didn't really change anything as far as the players were talking about. Right. It's still the same range. It's still the same needs. Um, so in a way, it was kind of nice that they didn't completely move out of where they were. And you know, a lot of the names we're talking about are the same names we've been talking about throughout this whole process. Um, And there are just different ways to go about it. And I'm still of the belief it's hard for me to imagine how he's sitting at 15 and 18 and picking. It's just not the way he does the draft. So uh, something tells me we're not going to be talking about two players at 15 and 18 in a week and a half.
3: Well, okay, Dave. So are we talking in that type of situation? Are we talking about a trade up? Like last year, do you think it's more likely targeted trade up to get Devontae Smith, just a few spots, trade back? A lot of people have talked about maybe the top of this draft isn't as good Mm -hmm. as normal, but the middle of the draft is a little bit better than normal. So maybe that speaks to trading back
9: if you had to lean one way, which way would you lean? Probably a trade up. Um So the way I look at it is there are players who are going to go in the top 10 that the Eagles probably wouldn't be in on, whether that's offensive linemen, you know, they're really not going to draft a tackle in the first round. It'd be highly unlikely. And then the quarterbacks, if they're truly out in the quarterbacks, there's probably two that are going to go, I think, in the top 10 when all said and done. You're talking about Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett. So, if you have two quarterbacks and you have a few tackles, go early. And, and, you know, those top three picks, a lot of people think there's a chance that you could see three edge rushers. But if you don't, and one of those guys starts to slip down and then there's tackles that come off, the quarterbacks start to come off, it's not crazy to think that one of those edge players could be within their trade-up range. And after last year, you kind of know what it would take. Um, they moved up from – 12 to 10 last year, they gave up a third-round pick. So if you're talking probably a similar trade to move up a few spots from 15 to, to get a player who might slip into that range, I think that's within the realm of possibility. Uh, I don't have the exact target for you, but um, I think it would be a defensive player. I, I don't know if they'd trade up for a receiver unless there's one that they really fall in love with. Um, there are different types of receivers, but I don't think – like. The, the receivers in this class are good. I don't think they're as good as the top three last year, if that makes sense. Yeah. All right. If they're moving up for eight, we'll continue with your hypothetical, which I like,
2: and I think you could be dead on right. If they're going to get aggressive and move just a couple spots to target a guy, don't know who he is, but can we target position? Would it be <laughs> an edge guy? Would it be a tackle if uh, the big kid from Georgia is still on the board at that point? Uh, would they buck tradition and go with a safety, which they don't usually draft <laughs> no. in the first round, as it never <laughs> drafted in the first round in the history before? What position do you think it would be? I know it's tied to the player. We don't know who the players are, so it's yeah. a difficult question. But what position do you think they'd be targeting to move up and get? Uh,
9: I'd, I'd mention edge first just because I th- there are a few of them, right? If you're talking about safety, we're talking about Kyle Hamilton, yep. really, for a trade up. I mean, um, I guess another safety could sneak into the the first round, but if we're talking trade up for a safety, it's Kyle Hamilton. It's hard to imagine that a team who's never drafted a safety in the first round is going to trade up to do it, right? I, you know, we can only I, hope.
2: I, I really like <laughs> Best the player in player the draft.
9: Love I mean, the player. I, I really Love like them. the player. It's just hard for me to imagine them bucking that trend like that hard <laughs> to trade up and and draft them. Uh, and a defensive tackle for a trade up, we're we're talking about Jordan Davis, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't know if if a Devontae wide is a trade up type of player. And the Jordan Davis thing is tricky because, I, I don't know what <laughs> he's so different. I, you know, um, it, it's really tough to figure out how a team's going to view him because it's unfair to call him a run-stuffing defensive tackle, but that's what he is. But he can be so much more than that. Uh, but you have to kind of trust your evaluation on them and say, all right, well, this is what he was in college. This is how Georg- – and the Georgia thing, it, we know they have great players, but it was it's really tough to evaluate their individual players because they had such specific roles. We can, when you're that good, it's like huh? you don't
3: uh, – Town, the, hit the, the ball. I was getting played market. off there. Yeah. Now, we didn't Oscar you. See? see, Oscars. We yeah, don't want to – go. we don't want to no. – uh, exit stage left now continue uh, but Jordan yeah. Davis yeah yeah well, the um, Georgia
9: players had like such specific roles that you know it's like Trayvon Walker the numbers aren't great well yeah because he's asked to set the the edge all the yeah. time you know yeah. he's not so they they yes. had such specific roles that it makes it tough to really evaluate what they can be you have to project which is a little easier because they're really good players but Jordan Davis is a tricky one uh, bigger picture standpoint, I want your thoughts on this, Dave,
3: is Howie Roseman, and he's right, he always talks about talent gathering season, and it's more than the first week of free agency, and you can keep adding players, and we've seen it. The Eagles were in on Stephon Gilmore, weren't able to get it done. You know, second place has been a theme this offseason, it seems. Who knows where uh, Tyron Mathau, the Honey Badger, what happens there. Uh, They can still add talent, but when you talk to GMs around this league and you talk to a bunch of them, they tend to say, you know, in free agency, you want to make sure you, you know, put the caulk in, at least to say when the big day comes, you don't feel that need to reach for something, whether it's uh, a wide receiver, cornerback, whatever, edge rusher. From the start of free agency to now, I think the Eagles – have more needs you think that's fair or unfair
9: i don't know about more but they have needs i mean and they're glaring really i the secondary to me is you look at it and you go well they have two spots <laughs> they need to figure yeah. it out and and like they, they have some young players on the roster and i know nick sirianni talked up the young corners they don't know what they have in the young corners they can't they, they just they haven't played and they're all like Day three picks, you know, um, and at safety. Could they get by with Marcus Epps? I guess could like Marcus Epps and Anthony Harris. are starting, yeah, I guess, but you, that was a position they needed to improve. And that's not improving it. You're, you're worse there. So um, two needs. Uh, maybe they do get Tyron Matthew. Um, he's a fun player. And it seems like he's taking his time. And I'm guessing at this point, he'll wait until after the draft. Yeah. I wouldn't rush into that if I'm him, but you're right. I mean, they have, they have needs that they haven't filled. And you're right. It it does kind of set up a scenario where you worry about them over drafting because, Hey, we're sitting here in the first round. We need this position. Uh, All right. He's the next best guy. Let's just take him. It can get you in the trouble. The one like the, the one that always stands out to me is Marcus Smith. You overdraft sometimes when you're trying to fill a need, and they they have to avoid that, even if it means not filling a need, and it's a tough thing to do. But the one thing, at least how he has going for him, is he has a a pretty safe job right now, whereas some GMs would probably feel the pressure a little bit more to overdraft and fill a need, where he's probably looking at it like, I'm pretty safe, I don't need to do that. We've had a Marcus Smith and a an Namdi
2: Osimo reference today. Mm-hmm. Going back some old, scary roads here <laughs> on Birds 365. All right. Uh, the biggest, biggest move the Eagles made in free agency, of course, was Hassan Reddick. What is Hassan Reddick? Because John and I have gone back and forth on this a couple times. Is he an Ed guy? If you put him down as an edge guy, you go, all right, well, the need, need for Ed, You got Sweat. You got Hassan. You got guys... Uh, Brandon Graham coming back and Derek Barnett, whatever he gives you, you got enough guys there. Ed should not be a priority, but if he's a linebacker who you're also going to bring off the edge, shockingly, could the Eagles actually bring five to get after the quarterback? It'd be nice to see every once in a while. How do you think Hassan Reddick is going to be used? I know it's just a label, but how would you label him?
9: Yeah, I, that's the thing. It's, it's semantics. He's going to rush the quarterback. Um, it would be wild. if if that's how they didn't use him. I mean, it would be – it would almost be malpractice because in his career, we've seen what he can do and what he can't do. And, yes, like, at times, can you drop him? Yeah, like, they can take advantage of that stuff at times. But, I mean, Arizona really showed you what he can do and what he can't do, and they draft him as a a middle linebacker, and he he wasn't good, you know? And then they put him on the edge, and he's good. And then he goes – Carolina, and he's on the edge, and he's good. So, yeah, you play him on the edge, and um they can call him a linebacker. He's going to be the Sam in this in this scheme, but he's he's going to rush the passer. And you don't pay a guy fifteen million. This team doesn't pay a guy yeah. fifteen million dollars not to rush the passer. So, um I call him whatever you want, but that's going to be his role.
3: Well, you bring up a good point there, Dave, and. That does indicate that they are, you don't have to worry about it. He's going to rush the passer because this team, as you stated, is very disciplined. And if they're going to allocate $15 million, they're not going to do that for just somebody playing Sam linebacker in a traditional fashion. Um, that brings me to my larger point. Are they too disciplined these days? Uh, and I look at the wide receiver market. And for this reason, it's exploded. I think the Eagles were caught off guard a little bit, but I think everybody was caught off guard. I don't think anybody around the league saw this, but now that's the going rate to do business at that position. And April 18th, we're here. It's the first day people can start off season work, all teams, not just with rookie hedge coaches, the Eagles aren't, but you can, um, Debo Samuels, not reporting for voluntary work. A.J. Brown's not reporting. Terry McLaurin's not reporting. It's kind of all the leverage they have to gain extensions. They want $20 million a year. The Eagles don't seem to be willing to go in to get these
9: types of players. And is that too disciplined? Are you talking about... Free agent signings or possibly like Trades, a trade free agents
3: either for talented players, no matter how you have to get them for talented players, the cost of doing business at that particular position is what it is. It seems like they're
9: shying away. Is that too disciplined? I don't know. I haven't thought about it in terms of that. What I will tell you is a few years ago, the receiver market kind of surprised everyone the other way, you know, it, it, the players weren't of the caliber and the age that these guys are. But a few years ago, if you remember um, the Eagles, well, well, after that, it was like, you know, like the Brashad Perrimans of the world and they weren't great players, but they were like thought to be decent players that the Eagles should have been in on and they were waiting on a price and the prices never came. And then like, it was when the, the Eagles signed Javon Hargrave because then they kind of pivoted and said, well, all right, we don't want to spend here. We'll spend in other ways. And then a couple of weeks later, all the receiver prices dropped. Those guys were signing cheap one-year deals. So it's, it's a tough thing to predict trends sometimes. And they, they go other ways. I have a real hard time faulting them for not signing Christian Kirk to like he's the one that, probably gets over talked about because it, it surprised everyone so much, but I I have a real hard time faulting them for that. And I get your point that it's the, the cost of, of doing business in that position, but you have to ask yourself, like, is it wise to overspend on that guy? Or if like, if you're going to overspend, at least let it be a premier talent, right? Like we see the Tyreek Hill deal, or at least that guy is, a really special player. If you're going to overpay for the position overpay for a special, like special type of player who can really change what you do. And I don't know if some of the guys who got those contracts qualify as that. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking around and you say, all right, Devo Samuel might be available. He would fit that mold for me. He's the type of, he, like, he, he's obviously not Tyree kill. There are different types of players, but he's such a special guy that, at least for me, I would be willing to then throw money at that guy as opposed to throwing money at a Christian Kirk, who's a good player, but not, you know, there are Christian Kirks out there. Yeah.
2: And Dave, as as we mentioned earlier, uh, you have to put the Eagles history of the draft into any thought process you have with this upcoming draft, because there have been some tenets that they followed uh, since Harry Roseman took over, even before Harry Roseman was general manager, passed on from Andy Reid to Harry Roseman. One of which is the trenches and they always dedicate resources to the trenches and it served them pretty well, uh, even more so on the offensive line and the defensive line. Maybe that Stoutland guy has something to do with that. Um, When is the dive onto the offensive line going to happen? We don't think it's happening in the first round. They did it in the second round last year to pay dividends. Dickerson came in and uh, played very well. Looks like he's going to be a staple there for a decade. Uh, If not the second round, third, fourth, fifth. I think right now on their roster, the player, the position that they're deepest is offensive line. So that would suggest they don't have a need there, but they always have a need there because that's their philosophy. You can never have enough talent on the offensive line when the Eagles make the dive onto the O line.
9: Yeah. And we'll see how long Andre Dillard's on the roster. You know, that's, they look real deep now. But if he's gone, and then, you know, you have, you'd have Jack Driscoll as your swing tackle who's played all right, but he's been hurt quite a bit early in his career. So yeah, they have depth, but that depth can disappear. Awful quick, you know, uh, and, and we know the way they feel about the Zitch. I'd still be surprised if they drafted one with one of their first three picks. I don't think 15, 18 or 51 would make a lot of sense unless they just feel like there's tremendous value. Uh, I could see one of those late like maybe like the 101 <laughs> if, if they draft an offensive lineman there he'd be like all right I, i'm okay with that but day three i i think drafting an offensive lineman always makes sense if you're this team and if if and i'm at the point now with jeff stoutlin he tells me once a guy you get him the guy yeah within reason you know yeah. not, i'm not talking like he jeff stoutland says hey at 15 no but you know if jeff stoutland day three walks over to howie and says I want this guy. This guy I can turn into a, a Pro Bowler or, or this or that. I'm getting in that guy. He, he's earned that level of respect from me.
3: And don't forget LaRaven Clark. I would like to bring up LaRaven. Quote the Raven. You got him as a potential <laughs> swing tackle if they move on from Andre Dillard. So your odds, Dave, day three of the draft, um, it's May 1st, whenever, the day after, Jalen Rager,
9: Andre Dillard. Are they on this team after the draft? Um, I still think it's likely that Rager is on the team. I, I, who's trading for him? I know, I that's have, what I say. I have a real hard time. Uh, maybe you know someone can convince themselves that they liked him coming out of the draft, and there's something there. But I don't know how you, you can. I, I always I kind of feel bad, like piling on Jalen Rager, but like. He, it's not there. He's, he's been a negative player in his time. He's made them worse. So I don't know how any team can watch him and think I want that guy on my team. I, at least with Dillard, we've seen moments where you go, okay, he's, he's functional and offensive line play in this league. We're a little spoiled here watching what the Eagles have had. There's some bad offensive line play in this league. And Andre Dillard could be a starting tackle somewhere. So the, because of that, the Eagles have a lot of leverage and, and they're not going to give them away. But I, I I think it's more likely that Dillard gets traded than Jalen Rager. All right, uh, DZ. Will the Philadelphia Eagles,
2: Jalen Rager, Jalen Rager? And here's what I mean by that. Uh, a couple <laughs> of years ago in the second round, they took Jalen Rager uh, to be the backup to Carson Wentz. Jalen uh, Rager. Uh, what I say? Jalen Rager. Rager.
3: That yeah. Breaker on the head. I was well, I was wondering. Second round.
2: I, let let me hold on. Restart. <laughs> Will the Philadelphia Eagles Jalen Hurts Jalen Hurts? And here's what I mean by that. Uh, just two years ago they took him in the second round to be the backup to Carson Wentz. Did I get all the names right so far? Yeah, let me keep going. Uh, I, I I understood that at the time. Not everybody did. Everybody screamed, What the hell is Howie Roseman doing? He's the frig-? We're now jettisoning for the uh to today. Second round pick this year. We know they're, or at least I should say, I'm saying they're not going to use a first round pick on uh, on a quarterback. But if one of the quarterbacks that we consider the top five this year, John continues to believe that the Eagles liked Sam Howell a lot. I don't personally like him. I don't think he's a good quarterback. But if the Eagles do like him and they're sitting there in the second round and he's there. Will the Eagles think about taking a quarterback in the second round? Not the first, but the second round. And basically do to Jalen Hurts uh, what they did uh, to Carson Wentz a couple of years ago. Get an inexpensive safety net if things go bad. We'll give this guy a shot, a uh, potential quarterback in the second round.
9: I guess it's possible. I, I don't think the value would line up, personally. Um, I'm, not a, I'm not a big fan of Sam Howell, if that's the guy we're talking about. I'm a bigger fan of Matt or Corral. Or anyone
2: else.
9: I just well, mentioned Sam Alder. Matt Corral. Any, whatever
2: quarterback Those would be the to two. Be Matt, 51, Which yeah, I don't 50. think
3: anybody's going to fall to 51. But if, if one was, it would probably be Sam or Matt Corral, I would think would be the two potentials. Desmond Ritter surprising to me, Dave. He, he, I think he's going in the first round. I do too. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, if, if somebody was going to fall, and I don't think either is, but if somebody's going to
9: fall to 51, I think it would be one of those two. Yeah, I, I still don't think they would. It, not that they wouldn't think about it. I think they would. Think, like their history tells you they would think yeah. about it. Um, and, look, if they did it, I, I do believe that it wouldn't bother Jalen as much as it bothered Carson. Yeah. But also... Jalen doesn't have the standing in the organization that Carson had at that point. No. Yeah. You know, he doesn't have the contract. Yeah. Carson had the contract, so he should have felt a little more secure with it. And he didn't. Um, it's, it's kind of funny. Carson was more secure with his position, but Jalen would probably feel more secure if they did it. Um, I, I think they've talked so much about building a team around Jalen. And, and it, it was kind of my qualm when they did it to Carson was, you're supposed to build around the player and then you draft a guy who doesn't help them for a lot of reasons. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't think the value lines up doesn't help them at all right now, if they're building around Jalen hurts. So I think it's unlikely, but this team, their past is their past. And they've, they've shown you why, but they would, they would have to really like a guy I think. And they really did like Jalen hurts. It's funny now that we talk about him. Through a different lens, like they're not committed to him long term, but they liked him enough to <laughs> draft him at yep. fifty three. Oh, yeah, you know? fifty three. I think it's like we forget about that that they. I mean, they they liked him enough to draft him at fifty three, and I mean, to me, it was it, it was still ill advised because they had to the, you know the personality of the guy who was their franchise quarterback at the time, but um, they were willing to risk all that because they liked Jalen Hurts <laughs> enough <laughs> that year, so. It's funny now that we see him through this different lens where all oh, they're not really committed to him and they don't like him. They, they liked him not that long ago enough to to draft him. So uh, sometimes that stuff gets a little overblown. All right. I'll wrap it up here
3: with you. Before that, follow Dave on Twitter at D Zangaro NBCS. You can read him at NBCSports.com. He's got the Eagle Eye podcast with the, his buddy Ruben Frank. Listen to that as well, Dave. You mentioned, and I'm with you with Jalen Hurts, 100%. Like, if they draft a quarterback, it's not going to affect him. Um, he's just going to put his head down. He's going to keep working. And I think we all have that same sentiment. At what point, though, or is there a point that all the whispers start to get to Jalen? He is a human being. I mean, we we talk about this trade with New Orleans, and now we're settled into 15 and 18, but that was a clear indication kicking the can down the road because next year's quarterback class is better. He knows that. And he sees uh uh Stroud and 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 Bryce Young and even the kid from Boston College, who could be potential top 10 picks. Um do we sort of dismiss it a little bit too much that ultimately some of this these these lack of of, of getting behind Jalen Hurts, because you can say we're behind him, but your actions prove otherwise. Can that start to seep in at some
9: point? I guess so. It, it, it doesn't, to me, that doesn't matter as much as his reaction to it. Right. He hears it. He knows it. He's, he's a smart kid. He, he understands the situation. What I think it, the, the difference with him is that he kind of channels it correctly and I think that And look, I, I'm talking about Jalen Hurts Like I really know him, he's a guarded guy You yeah. know, um, he's a guarded guy And we know what We know about his Personality, wants, what he wants us to know He That's just who he is So, but based on What I do know about him is that I think that if if it creeps in And he hears it He then uses that as fuel um, And Ultimately, I don't know where it leads with him. I don't know if it. I, I don't think it'll bother him to the point where it becomes a, a major negative. Now, look, if if we're doing this in another couple of years, still, at a certain point, he's going to be like, "All right, guys, like, what do you want from me?" <laughs> and but uh, you know, but at that point, they're going to, have to figure out a contract anyway. So yeah. it's like, yeah, it, it can only go on for so long, and it, it feels like you know, a lot of people thought we'd have a definitive answer on him. After this past season, and we don't. Are we going to have a definitive answer on him after this season? Who knows. If we don't, though, at that point we're getting to the a spot where they got to figure it out. Uh, Yeah, he can ask
3: for an extension after next year.
9: He can, and and at that point, it's like if he hasn't, if, if he's not a sure thing, franchise guy. I think the Eagles know that they can't get stuck in purgatory. You know, I, I think it's it's a dangerous place to be with an NFL team where you have an okay quarterback and you're trying. Well, this is the best we can do, and let's just try to win with them because you need to be so good in, in other areas because a great quarterback can cover up blemishes on your roster. But if you have an okay quarterback, which all by all accounts like he's going to be an okay quarterback, he's he's a starting level quarterback in the league. Maybe not a high level starting quarterback, but I've seen enough that I think he can play in the league. But if he can't reach that next level, then you're talking about all right. Well, we got to build around him. We still got to pay him, even if you're, even if yeah. you're not a thirty elite million. Public, that's where we start. still get paid yeah. quite a bit. So, yeah. um, that's that's the danger zone. If you're the Eagles, and it's a zone where I think they're smart enough to realize they don't want to get stuck there.
2: Yeah, John and I have said the same thing here. So we're all on the same page. If he's in, he's in. If he's out, he's out. If he's in between, he's out. They're not going to play the in-between game going forward. All right, last thing, DZ, it's a Zingaro question. Um, Any draft specials coming up on NBC Sports uh, TV side this week? And if so, are they going to stand you next to Barrett Brooks, and do you get scared that he's going to hip-check you off the stage if you say something he doesn't like?
9: Well, it's fun. Normally when I'm on with Barrett, they put me like strategically in front of him. So like (laughs) the camera angle. we used to play a game back on quick called big problem, little problem. And it was gunner throwing questions at me and Barrett for obvious reasons. Uh, Yeah. We have uh, on the clock coming up on Friday at six. Those have been a lot of fun. We've been doing one every week leading up to the draft and we'll have a bunch of, of draft coverage next Thursday. Um, as the first round kicks off. So yeah, thanks for asking. It'll be fun. It, I enjoy doing those shows with those guys. It's fun. You know, getting it's the more honestly, the most fun is we get to the newsroom early and uh, Mike Mulhern our producer and we'll all crowd around his computer. We're watching, you know, cutups and, you know, we're, we're, wa- we're actually watching Kyle Hamilton a play last week where he, he covered the whole field. Those are the most fun moments where we were just kind of, Chopping it up and, and and watching some film together.
3: And twelve to three right here, Dave, we're having the reunion. Barrett Brooks, D. Gunn, and Rob Ellis. All my guys back together. Here. I love it. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> DZ, thank you much for coming on with us today. We'll uh, talk to you again soon. We'll be checking you out Friday night on NBC Sports Philly. Yeah, go ahead, kick Barrett in the shins. You have our permission <laughs> to just go ahead and kick him. Not, not to I. We we need Barrett, but he can take a little pain. Go ahead, and kick him in his shins if he gives you a hard time. Thanks for coming on with us today.
9: All right, thanks, guys. Jason thanks, Garrow
2: here with us on Birds Three Sixty Five. All right, Johnny Mac, Johnny Mac, coming back. We need to put a bow on the show.
7: Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker, Mike Little.
8: I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right. Just by talking with Brian in my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say,
7: we got this. Call 215-458-2222.
0: field of life first trust bank is there for you because philadelphia dreams deserve a philadelphia bank
1: go for the midnight dares go for the memories go for the view that goes on forever go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink go to bed whenever you want or don't Go for him, go for her, go for the wind, go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
2: Donald and McMullen put a wrap on a George 365 Monday countdown to the draft. Tomorrow will be in single digits, nine days in counting to the NFL draft. And we'll surely talk a ton of draft tomorrow. But before we do, final note, and I'm going to ask you this every day up until the draft and then after the draft, if he still hasn't signed, John McMullen will today be a honey badger day.
3: No I'm gonna i'm i I don't think he's gonna sign until after the draft here or anywhere else um that's just my take. I think Dave said it as well um yeah, I get the feeling that he wants to pick and choose the right situation. And I think you know other teams are looking at it like, well, what if we get Kyle Hamilton and um you know then we don't need the honey badger so. I, I think that market, and he will make the decision
2: after the draft. So you think he's going to wait? Because, you know, the leverage thing, leverage is in the eye of the beholder, yeah. much like yeah. beauty. Works both ways. Yes. Badger thinks, well, they're not going to get at safety, so they're going to have to pay me more. Those that get at safety, so well, we don't need honey, Badger. So even though we thought about it, we're purling on the offer off the table. You never know which way the ledger wheel is going to spin. Leverage wheel is going to spin. You think Honey Badger Banks that his value goes up after the draft?
3: Yeah, I think he knows there's going to be at least one spot because there's few safeties. Even if you love Dax Hill, there aren't a lot of safeties. You know, it goes Kyle Hamilton, it goes Dax Hill, and then you start to get in Jalen Petrie, a couple other guys. But, you know, it it drops off the table pretty quickly after Hill. So there's not a lot of guys you're going to be comfortable with with and saying, all right, he's going to start day one. Right. Uh, and I think Honey Badger kind of knows that.
2: We'll see how it shakes out. The Eagles have made one big free agent offside, uh, offseason signing, and that would be the Hassan Reddick.
3: Come on, Indian. Kaiser White, Devin Allen, Zach Pascal.
2: Come on, Jody. Here is the lone qualifier I need to call it a big signing a second year yeah. that's all i'm asking for <laughs> you got to give me a second year even Kevin if allen got, got three years even if it's a faux second year at least on paper have a second year attached to it then i can call it a big free agent signing one year sorry, Kevin allen can big, be an ad- and i like because you're white Let, let's not get this wrong i think that was a really solid signing. Yeah. i think he's going to come in here and play very well for the eagles and we're going to give howie a gold star that they got him on a one-year deal at $5 million. I think that's going to go well. But I can't call it a big signing here today because it was one year. Kevin
3: White could be an exclusive rights-free agent at
2: age 30,
3: Jody. (laughs) All
2: right, quickie question for you, and then we'll wrap this bad boy out. Chances, I got to pick the right date for this. Maybe I should ask you to give me a date. Um, What would be a fair date to judge because he or white, to get a contract extension. Because that's another thing that Howie Roseman gets credit for, at least for me. He plays the draft day trade game very well, and he's good at identifying talent. Doesn't get them all right, but he gets a bunch of them right. Extensions prior to them getting to free they like lock them up, Uh, you have them as part of your your base. I I went through the eagerness the other day, and the guy who I said, here's the one I'd like to get signed to a longer contract, was Kazir White, which they could have just given him the two year yeah. deal. They like, didn't, they gave him one year. Do we have to wait till he shows up and we see that he's a fit and can't yeah,
3: I I think you're their sweet spot for that kind of stuff is usually November. Right. Um he, they gotta see like a half year. Tim Jernigan they did, you know, remember Tim Jernigan um got an extension, I think in the, and then he got hurt. It didn't work out. But um yeah, they generally have to see that stuff for at least a half season. Um and then maybe they try to get ahead of the market and say, well this gets pretty good. Let's uh and they should be able to get it done cuz that's not a high valued position,
2: so. All right, um, so here you, do, you you did my job for me. Thank you very much. Here's the date I'm setting. Columbus Day. Will Kazir White have a contract extension by Columbus Day?
3: No, I okay. think it would be later in November. Yeah, I think he's
2: going to come in and look that good that they're going to move yeah. that time process up awesome. and try and get it done in October rather than November.
3: I'm because... surprised they didn't give him two years.
2: Well, they gave him five years, but you know how that works. Yeah, uh, act, actual two years. Yeah, All right, uh, brother, I say we do this again tomorrow. you up for it? Let's do it.
3: And everybody stay tuned. 12 to 3, Sports Take with RBT.
2: Is it RBT? No R B D R G B D. You can call him. You can call him. Harris, you can call him. Gunner, can call Rob him Ellis, Derek Gunn, Barrett Brooks, and Big, and Barrett then Dan Silio, Three to six. Expanded Dan Silio show. So you've got to keep it right here all day long on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. The Birds 365 guys will be back in two and two.
5: If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media
2: channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify.
4: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrations,